Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Welcome to another edition of the Owner's Box. I'm Billy Koch, and I will be joined momentarily by the great Michelle Yu, who is just back from Saudi Arabia. But before I do that, I want to thank everybody who's listening to this show. Our numbers are absolutely through the roof. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate all of our old listeners from the Horse Ownership Experience and all of our new listeners. And you can catch up with all old episodes at the InTheMoneyPodcast.com uh, website. In fact, they have newsletters. We want you to leave reviews. There's a YouTube channel. And obviously on social media, it's at Own a Horse and at In The Money Media. So make sure you check that out. We have a great guest for you today, our very good friend, Mark Martinez from Agave Racing Stable, who just won the grade two Buena Vista with Charmaine's Mia over the weekend. Another turf stake win for Phil D'Amato. But before we do that, let's bring in the great, the one, the only, the champion of Saudi racing, Michelle Yu. <laughs> Michelle, welcome back. That was a little much, really. All Thank right. you. I'm Thank gonna, you. Okay. You, people who listen to the show know I'm definitely one of your biggest fans, but I have to say, you on that show, you're fantastic. You, Thank you. You keep it real. You are not afraid to have opinions. You you give little nuggets, and I think you and uh, Nick Luck have tremendous uh, um, uh, chemistry together, and Nick Luck's also on In The Money, uh, on In The Money Media yes, podcast, is. so listen to his show as well. He's fantastic. You're fantastic. You guys just make a great team. It looks like you're oh, having thank fun. You. It looks like you're uh, having yeah. fun. Although it is, it's a ton of fun and it's such a, an honor to, to be able to go there and go do the show. I think that the team that they've assembled to, uh, do the whole thing from, you know, on camera to behind camera to the immense amount of work that went into putting this whole event on is really top notch. And so it was great to get to work with all of them. And like you said, as long as Nick Luck is there, Billy, I feel like we're always going to be okay. Nick, Nick keeps us afloat he's, with everything. Yeah, he's very smooth and he's very good. And but here's the thing. I think that I, I will say because I've I've been a, a harsh critic of yours over the years. I'm not afraid. People know. I mean, I, I've come on the show and said, Michelle, you can't say you guys is like you have to speak English. And I believe that you have taken it to heart. I feel that when you are on that show, you are really, really good. You you speak intelligently. You 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 get to the point and, and you make valid points. And I think that's really important. But the fact that, I, again, just to reiterate that you're having fun while presenting the, these these beautiful horses and I know you love them and all that kind of stuff and it comes across and I think it's great so congratulations oh, thank to you. you Billy that was so nice I do I take it to heart when I get a nice piece of criticism that I can utilize I do try and uh you know put that into motion the next time I do something absolutely well you're you're fantastic and we're just lucky to have you here and I know all our all our people who are listening are, are very interested to hear what you're going to say about Mark Martinez who's going to join us momentarily but before we do that we have to do three things of note <laughs> <laughs> three things of note are well, first uh, thing of note has to brought be the Saudi to, Cup, brought right? to you by in the Money Podcast Network. Oh, I thought you had a sponsor. I thought you were going to surprise me with a sponsor we right now, do, Billy. We can sponsor whoever we want. We're getting a sponsor for it, for sure. It's already I know being, there's it's some sponsorship the stuff in the works, right? Oh, yeah. It's in the works. I like the song, though. The song is good. Okay. You All should right. Keep so three things of note. Let's start. Number one, Saudi Cup. Go. You Saudi Cup was amazing. It, yeah. Um, I think overall, the U.S. horses were super competitive on the global stage. Um Maybe some people disappointed with Nick's go, but that's the time that you can kind of look back and say, okay, was he really this great? You know, we're talking about two allowance wins, 
the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile was phenomenal. The Pegasus World Cup field, maybe not as great. Um, and, you know, someone took it to him early. He didn't get his ideal trip, but it well, still ended up being a I'm going to cut showdown. you off. Um, okay. Someone didn't take it to him early. Uh, charlatan took it to him early. <laughs> Let's be honest, who's, who might be one of the you know fastest horses in the world. So it wasn't like it was some schlub that uh, just... That just... was so tactical by Mike Smith, though, right? Because... It was. We know, Yeah, we know that Charlatan does not have to be on the lead. We saw that in the Malibu. And Mike Smith came on the set with me and Nick before and was like, look, I'm not going to take away my horse's weapon. If we're out in the front and he's comfortable, I'm not going to you know not let him go. Uh, and breaking from the inside, I felt like that was kind of what he had no, to he do. No, he broke on the outside. He was on the outside. Uh, I felt like that's what yeah. he had to do, don't you? I, I do. In fact, I talked to Bob Baffert the uh, the next morning, and I said, was was that what you wanted Mike to do? And he said, absolutely. He goes, I, Mike didn't do anything <laughs> wrong. He's, yeah. You know, and it's funny. If you look at Baffert's big horses, um, how many Baffert horses, Michelle, and I asked this to someone else yesterday, how many of these, you know, the Derby winners or the, the Triple Crown winners, whatever it is, Breeders' Cup winners, how many of them come from off the pace? Um, I mean, I, Not I many. feel like they have to be, yeah, they have to be right near. You know, I feel like, yeah, you have to be involved a lot of times. He takes it to them. That's yep. what he does. His horses are fast and they're fit and they keep and they going stay. and they that's re-break yeah. and they go. And those are <laughs> that's how he wins those races. So congratulations to – but we didn't even talk about the winner. Yeah, the winner was awesome. He was so cool, right? Uh, this horse uh, was – he was gangbusters the year before. If you went back and watched his race in the Saudi Derby, he didn't break great and still like came. I actually loved him all week leading up. I did some podcasts and I talked about him and he was going to be my pick. And then like the day of... His name of, is Mishrif, by the way. Did I not say his name? No. But Sorry, okay. I get too excited. I know. Um, the day of, literally the morning of, myself and Tom Stanley were sitting together and we're doing notes and talking and we like talk ourselves off of him watching oh, him. Like no. I just didn't think if he could like close fast enough because he, you see how like he doesn't, he doesn't have like a big burst of acceleration. He kind of like grinds it out, and I didn't think he'd be close enough. I, I genuinely thought that Charlatan and Nick's go would be so far in front, it would give like a horse like Mischief too much to do. But it, it wasn't, and it was super thrilling, and it was a great race. And you know, you have a horse like that that can back up dirt wins with big. Um, turf championships. That's a that's a nice horse to have. And kind in your of a barn. kind of a cool story for twenty one year old David Egan, the the rider who uh, of course was penalized after. We should just make this all three things of note. Uh, it cost him a hundred thousand dollars for whip up above permitted level. I think um, that Mike Smith got fined two hundred thousand last year, though. Mike last year, Mike's poor so, Mike and, Smith. And, and, that's he got crazy, suspended right? again on Charlatan. But uh, my man John Gosden, th this guy's got to be considered one of the greatest trainers in the world, and and he showed yes. off again with uh, Mish Mishriff. How many Mishriff? Mishriff. Mishriff. The, you uh, know what was awesome was um, the we there weren't like open door fans on track, but there were dignitaries and a lot of royals. So there were, uh, I would say, 1,500 people or so, which seems like a huge amount when we come from the track right now where we're allowed to have, like, no one, right? And there's, right. like, 50 owners walking around in the morning. Right. It felt like a crazy busy atmosphere because of that. And, oh, were they going absolutely bananas for this horse. They were pressed up against the That's rail, amazing. taking pictures. It was super cool. That's very cool. Great experience. Uh, number two, how about the that the several of the big Kentucky farms filed lawsuit challenging the cap on uh, mare's bread, Michelle. That's yeah, news. Yeah, I thought that was crazy. So the jockey club recently made a rule to restrict stallions from breeding more than 140 mares a year. Um, and obviously some of the top studs 
Spendthrift, Ashford, and Three Chimneys were not happy about this, and they decided to sue the jockey club, saying that it is a blatant abuse of power because the rule change is arbitrary and anti-competitive. Interesting. So, I mean, how do you feel about this, Michelle? Because I, you know what, I'm, I'm, I under, I, it's one of those situations. I'm a centralist. Yeah, I see both sides of the argument, and I'm not close enough, and I'm not a breeder, and so I don't. I don't really have the wherewithal to say, yes, I agree with uh, Wayne Hughes, even though I love the guy. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know enough about it to have a strong opinion. Do you? I, I don't. Like you said, I'm, I'm not a breeder. I can see both sides. Um, you know, you look, look, at it, look at a place like Japan, right, where they breed a lot of mares and they don't have a cap. And they're pretty much down to two bloodlines, which is why they're constantly coming over stateside and buying mares and buying foals and taking them back over to Japan to race them and run them and breed them because they have dwindled their gene pool down so severely that exactly. they don't have a lot of pl- things to do. So we want to avoid that at all costs, right, in America. So I can see that aspect of it. On the flip side, I see where they think, oh, it's not fair. If 200 people want to breed to end of mischief and they all their mares are good enough, why why shouldn't they be able to sure. breed to end of mischief? Makes, makes a lot of sense. We're trying not to be political here on the owner's box. Uh, yeah, we, we, we don't like being yeah, political. You know what? We, we've, we've gone down that road before. It never really works. Um, we'd rather <laughs> talk to Mark Martinez because... Wait, he, wait, we have uh, our third thing of note. I was going to say, well, okay. what were you going to say for the third thing of note? To help us return, or uh, help celebrate the return of Japanese racing. Yes. Help yes! celebrate the return of Japanese racing. Michelle, how do you do that? Uh, so basically, our family of In the Money Media has, they're giving away a plushie, a, a stuffy. A lot of people um, like those plushie stuffies. does these amazing little stuffed horses, and they are completely a duplicate of whatever famous horse there is going on right now. The, the markings, the bridles, sometimes they wear little hats or little crowns or <laughs> little shirts. These are collector's say, like, items, people. What do, awesome. what do you have to do, Michelle? They're awesome. What do you have to do? All you have to do is, I know it's on pizza, on pizza Twitter, so yeah. at Looms Boldly on Twitter and you just retweet his little ad that says this with the picture and put your favorite Japanese horse. I mean that's easy enough. Sunday silence holler, obviously. Mine was vodka. Vodka? Vodka. I, I thought that's what you just like to drink. What is your drink, Michelle? <laughs> what's your drink? Well what do you mean what's my drink? Oh champagne. Champagne, of course. <sighs> How did I not know that? Of but to be fair, that. it is a very specific kind of champagne, right? Right. It's Vouv. I like Vouv. She likes um, the Vouv. Everyone. And if I can't drink Vov, I will have an espresso martini, but with a shot of Bailey's in it and decaf, preferably. Mm, makes a lot and of sense. And if that's not available, then I'm going to have a Grey Goose Gimlet on the rocks. Makes so much sense, Michelle. And I'm sure our audience would love to hear you talk all about your alcoholic intake. <laughs> but what we're going to do right now is we're going to get Mark Martinez on the on the on the uh, on the line on the line for the owner's box. Stay tuned. All right, joining us today on the Owner's Box, one of my favorite people in the game, Michelle. It is Mark Martinez of Agave Racing Stable. Thank you, Mark, for coming on. Thanks for having me, Billy. Always always excited to talk horses with you, my friend. Well, you know, people out there don't really know this, but Mark and I actually talk a lot. <laughs> um, uh, we, we Obviously, we, we share a, the same trainer in Phil D'Amato, and over the years, I actually, I think Mark and I think Michelle, you'll probably agree with this, is one of the, one of the smartest guys in the game. He's really come into this with a plan, and we're going to get to all that. We're going to talk about Charmaine Mia, Charmaine's Mia's big win over the weekend in the Buena Vista. But before we do that, Mark, just introduce yourself to our audience. How did you first get started in horse racing? Because this isn't one of those that you were like four years old riding horses. No, no, no. It, uh, 
I, I actually kind of came in about 15 years ago um, through the syndicate ranks. And you, as you all know, Billy, I'm a staunch believer that that's a great way for new people to enter the game. And um, th that organization was a group called Bongo. They were Southern California based. And Bob I started Feld. with Bobby Feld. Yeah. 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 Bob Feld and, and his brother and uh, Dave Carmen. And we ended up, uh, I, you know, Mary, my wife, started seeing these perspectives showing up on the in a videotape on the on the porch and in the mail. And she knew something was up. And I said, look, I'm just going to buy 10 percent of one horse. Let me just take a little bit of a run. <laughs> well, now I've got 10 horses and I think, you know, the rest <laughs> of the story. <laughs> it all starts somewhere. It all starts somewhere. But Mark, what uh, business wise? what allows you to take place in, in horse racing? Because obviously you do a lot of this stuff. I'm staring at your roster right now that you were kind enough to send. And there's a lot of horses, 50%, 90%, but it's an expense. It, it is. A, it is an expense, which is why it has to be an evolving, uh, you know, for an owner, it, it evolves. I listened to the session you had with Michael Netweg um, a while back. And, um, you know, he talked about how he got in and on the lower end and his, you know, matured and migrated up into higher price horses. And, you know, I've kind of taken the evolution. I started with the syndicate. Then I took on a partner and we were 50, 50. Then I owned a hundred percent of all my horses. And then I realized now that I'm better off to, you know, share the wealth and share the risk and, and more importantly, share the fun. So yes. you'll notice Billy, now all the horses I have, I have partners on and, and they do vary from 50% to 90%, but I like to have somebody to, to take the ride with. Mark, when you're looking at your partner, so, so just say you found a horse now and you <clears throat> think, okay, I'm going to buy this horse, but I need to have a partner. Do you consider what kind of horse it is before you pick which partner you want to call? Well, I, you know, first of all, I, I kind of take two different approaches. I rarely bring a partner in anymore, Michelle, before I buy. Okay. I've kind of t taken the position of I'll go ahead and take the upfront risk because I have a lot of confidence in the horses that I have and the team that I have um, that they'll, that they will move up and that increases their value that then allows me to sell them based on fair market value at the time. You know, like Charmaine's Mia would be a good example. Um, you know, if I sold a piece of her now, it would be based on fair market value. That profit that I take on that spread, then I turn back around and reinvest to buy more horses and repeat the cycle. Yeah, that when I said he was smart, Michelle, that's what I was talking about. But well, the uh, the smart thing too is the way he finds horses. We we have to talk well, let's, about yeah, that. Yeah, let's talk about that, Mark. Interestingly enough, and, and this is the question I think on a lot of people's minds, and and Charmaine's Mia doesn't really fit into this uh, bucket, but we'll talk about her in a second. But I'm looking at count again. Say the word. Strike me down. Palace coop. Phantom dance. A lot of these, I, I believe, were part of the Samsung group. That so how does a how does a deal like that come to you? Do you go after that, and then and then what happens? How do you how do you end up with some horses like this? Well, the the answer is yes and yes. So um, I got introduced to uh, Samsung, and by the way, what a great partner! And you know, talk about somebody that's been great for the game for so many years. Kind of disappointing to see them dispersing and getting out of the breeding business. Um, you know, they they dominated the Canadian market for many many years. Um, but 
I, I purchased a, a privately purchased a horse called Ransom the Moon sure. that I know you and Michelle are aware of. Very well. Um, yeah, two-time grade one Bing winner and had some success with that. And so I touched base with their racing manager from time to time. And um, we shared a horse a few years ago. We didn't have a lot of success, but, you know, we took care of the horse, campaigned him right, did the right things. You know, they're, they're all in. They're like we are. You know, they're all in top-notch care, top-notch handling, um, you know, spare no expense. And they animal first. So that, that, that mentality or that approach works and aligns really well with mine. And I know LRS. So, um, and it just happened. I talked to them about uh, a, a guy named Tons Whistler uh, said, we've got a package. Would you look at it? And we bought, I bought in, I shared it with them. They're, they're active partners with me. And we bought, I bought count again, say the word and strike me down in the three horse package. Say the word, won a grade one first out, count again, won a grade two the second out, um, and strike me down, ran second in the clocker's corner. So those were the, those were three pretty, you know, that's pretty, you, you know, as you well know, you don't, you don't achieve those kind of results too often. So we were very fortunate there. And simple I, game, yeah, simple yeah, game. Easy, no, 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 easy game. Easy game to have horses yeah. like this. And, and mm -hmm. obviously you've, you've, you, you had, but it's interesting you said that because you're, what you do and what you've done is you've built relationships within the game, whether it's, whether it's myself, whether it's a, a guy like Eric Johnson, whether it's the Samsung guys. Um, and through that, you you become open to future opportunities. Would you say that that's true? And that's a, a, a kind of a nice guideline for someone who's, you know, trying to establish themselves in this crazy sport of ours. Well, I would, I would certainly say um, how you conduct yourself matters. You know, I, you had Saul Kuman on after the breeders cup and, uh, and by the way, just so the two of you know, and your listeners know, um, I don't know why there's criticism. I mean, the guy's great for the game. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what, what his model is now become a model that many of us are kind of fashioning ourselves around whether, and, uh, you know, look, it, it, there's risk in every element of the game. If you breed yearlings, you don't know what they're going to look like when they fold, you know, if you breed what they fold out, if you buy two year olds, you don't know just because they can go an eighth of a mile and 10 flat, that doesn't mean they're going to carry that speed. You know, and, and the further along in the in the horse's age they go, and if you're buying them off the track, you pay a premium, but that doesn't guarantee success. Um, you know, you've got to do a lot of video work. You have to have great connections. You have to have a little bit of luck. Let me rephrase that. You have to have a lot of luck. Uh, and, and having good partners is an important part of that. People that see, you know, see eye to eye with you on how to campaign a horse, you know, not jamming them in every two weeks, giving them six weeks if they need it, you know, shipping for a spot if that's what you need to do, dropping them in class where they can win and don't get their head pulled off time and time again, giving them time off if that's what they need. There's, I mean, you know, there, as you, as the two of you know, there's a hundred different things that you have to do when you manage it. I think I, I look for partners that share that kind of philosophy and and I, more and more, I think there, there's more of them out there today than there were when I entered the game 15 years ago. I would agree with that. Mark Martinez joining us here on the Owner's Box 
you know, it's you're a hundred percent right. People are looking at the game differently, and I think it's a credit to you and guys like Saul. And I, I brought up Eric Johnson. He's, I mean, he has who knows how many horses he has right now, but he has little pieces of all these horses. My friend Bill Strauss, our friend Bill Strauss, who was on on the other day talking about it, and he's having the time of his life. So I think that the old guard, this oh, well, if you don't own 100% and you didn't breed the horse yourself, I think they're they're gone. I think those days are over, and I think we're starting to get the respect. The partnerships are starting to get the respects. And when I say partnerships, I don't mean people like Little Red Feather or Eclipse or West Point or whoever it is. I mean just people in partnership. Would you agree with that, Mark? I would, and I think you're starting to see some of the bigger players in the game get aligned. Um, so they're, they, they themselves are realizing if we're going to compete with some of the, the, the very big money players, and they're just also trying to offload risk. Many of these people are business people and they don't own a hundred percent of general motors or American airlines stock. They own a piece of it and they have a portfolio, an investment portfolio that shares that risk. And, and I think, you know, we're just applying and listening to Saul was really and it was kind of in, in, encouraging because I'm following a lot of that same stuff without ever really comparing those kind of notes. You're trying to diversify when you find you get something that doesn't work. There's, there's a horse for everyone. You know, my program doesn't ha- I, you know, as you know, this Billy, I don't, I don't normally allow maiden 25s to stick around very long. Correct. Um, you, you know, my, but that doesn't mean there isn't a circuit or another owner that would like to have those horses. And if they can't compete in racing altogether, then my job is to make sure that they find a good home, whether it's, you know, in a, a second stride or a second career or a, a, a pleasure horse for someone. And I think that, again, the new guard, if you went up to the new guard, I think we all, you know, we're embracing that philosophy. Well, I, and I think it's interesting, and I have a question for you. Have you ever, let's say after uh, Say the Word won the grade one or Charmaine's Mia won the grade two, I know you own 90% of that horse, 50% of Say the Word. Have you ever said to yourself, damn, I should have owned 100%? No. So you, you, you would be the best example of that that I probably have in the years I've been in the game. And, um, and that's with a Philly name fault that oh, yeah. I sold 50%, I sold 50% up to um, to little red feather. Um, you know, there was a, I had a, again, from that, I made new friends, people that were clients of yours, like Robin, rock and Robin sure. and Steve Lehman and those guys. I mean, these are friends that I have daily telephone conversations with now, all that spun out of me being in the little red feather suite, winning a grade two, turning around, winning a grade one. I never look back. You know, I had people tell me, why did you sell? But I never, I never asked myself that question. I was happy to sell. And, and that's why selling made horses off the track is not just good for the buyers who go on to campaign them, but also for the sellers, because sometimes people need to take money or should take money off the table. Absolutely. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Michelle, I know Mark, you have a question. What's been the key to your success with some of these horses that you've bought out, out of racing? Like we, we were talking about fault. Didn't she ran for like a maiden 16 tag at one time, right? Was that her? I claimed her out of a 50. Okay. Um, but you know, it was off of a couple of bad races. You know, I, I think if you're in the handy, if you're in the claiming business, which is probably for me, the most enjoyable piece of the game, because when you're right, it's really feels good. 
Um, we talked but, about that you know, this I weekend. I watched claim a horse for 50 and win like 10 graded stakes. <laughs> it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. It does, yeah. It does well, happen for you, though. That's why I want to know. Like, what is the key to your success? Because you, it's not just like once. It wasn't a fluke. You do it all the time. Well, it, I do a lot of video work. Um, and I, 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 Billy's seen him before. I put together kind of a little portfolio. I got about an email on any horse I'm looking at possibly buying, and it's got probably 10 different attachments from rags to thoroughgraphs to pedigree to nicking to photographs of the, of the horse. Even if I don't see the horse, if it's something I'm going to claim, I'm taking still shots of it off the track in the winter circle. I'm looking at as much of the confirmation as I can see. I'm analyzing their stride. I'm going back to the two-year-old sales and watching those under tack previews if they came out of a sale. I'm looking at the families. Uh, and then I handicap the connections. And, you know, that'll tell you a lot about where a horse is running and why. Um, so that's just, I guess, some of what I look at. I think it's a lot of homework where and it's a lot of detail, Michelle. That's it is. what he's saying. It is a lot of detail. Where's your favorite place to harvest horses from when you're thinking, oh, this one's going to win a stake next time? Uh, well, I, it's probably no. I think the best place to claim for me has been Kentucky. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've, I've found California to be a tough place for me to claim because, you know, everybody knows everything. Um, you know, the clocker reports in the mornings, you know, there's just so many eyes on things. Yeah. A lot of information and, and, and a lot of shrewd horse people, not that they're not in Kentucky, but there's a, a more diverse pool of trainers and owners in Kentucky I've found. So I think you can, you know, I think I can find horses that might enjoy a change of scenery. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I like to, you know, find them in those circuits and then bring them to, you know, what I, who I consider to be one of the best trainers in the game. And that's Phil. Um, and you know, I would, I can't let this segment go without saying you're talking about my success. You know, my job's to go find him and buy him, but Phil's job is to get him prepped, ready and, and deliver the goods. And, you know, I think, I think since we've been together, it's been a little over five years, that's 15 graded stakes wins together. Um, and he, he and his team, you know, own a lot of that. I think that's I think that's very nice of you, Mark, and I think Phil would appreciate it. I'm a big Phil D'Amato fan. I know Michelle Yu is too. What what is it about Phil? What what do you think he does with these horses that's that that's maybe different than somebody else? Well, you know, first of all, you know, and I, I don't I don't mean to slight anybody, but Phil's more than just a horse guy, right? right. He's a he's a businessman. You know, he's a smart guy. He's a he's a gentleman. He's a good guy. You know, he's one of the good guys. He's honest. That. You know, so that he's got the, the, you know, you know, his parents, you know, you can see, you see the parents, you see the kid, right? Sure. So he, he's, he comes from, he's got a good pedigree. Um, and then he, uh, he grew up, you know, spent a lot of time with Mike Mitchell and I'm sure Phil learned a lot, you know, in those years. Um, you know, Mike was good at tweaking things and fine. You know, he was a great claiming trainer, changed things up a little bit. Phil probably took a lot of that. But Phil also took what he saw from other trainers on the circuit, saw what he liked, saw what he didn't like, massaged all that, developed his own style, and it works really well. Now, you know, his success on, on turf is phenomenal. phenomenal. I mean, when you, when you look at Phil's turf numbers, are, they're off the chart. 
Um, but he, and, he, and he's able to see things, make adjustments. And, you know, the last thing, when people talk to me about even my core business at, at M2 um, in technology, you know, about success, and, and I go back to one thing. It's about the people you hire. Phil has a really good team. Um, and he has a good team, and they stay with him because of who he is. Um, so I, I think Phil's a, I think he's a special guy and a special trainer. Well, we do too. Here's a quick stat for you, Michelle, that I actually read this morning. Phil D'Amato's last 23 stakes wins have been on turf. Since Ruby wow. Bradley won the Mel Air Stakes for three-year-old, state bed three-year-olds at Philly, uh, Phillies at Santa Anita in June 2019. There's a great quote in here that Phil actually told me before I read it. And, uh, it says D'Amato does not project a dirt stakes win for a stable in the short term future. And he said, quote, maybe when Bob Baffert <laughs> retires, <laughs> which I thought was, which I thought was very clever. Uh, yeah. Mark Martinez. Well, joining us on the hey, hey, yes. Hey, Billy. Go ahead. You know, it's kind of funny because I was, um, you know, I, I think the, the dirt division, the older dirt division, if you can get past charlatan, you know, which we know where he is or was. Yes. Um, if you can get past him, I thought there was an opportunity to run in some high-profile races on the dirt. So I started looking specifically 100%. for older dirt. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I started, I went in search of older dirt horses. Now, I, I just, I, I have one in partnership with Samsung. I don't know that he's that kind. But that's another thing, Michelle. Sometimes I favor Phillies. And the reason I, you know, they tend to be a little bit more honest and they also, uh, you know, they also, you can build something that we all love. You know, it's like one of our favorite words in racing and that's residual, residual value. That sounds like a Seth Claremont horse, residual value. It should be trained by Chad yeah. Brown. Um, well, that, I think and, that's so smart though, Mark, but you're, cause you're right. They're outside of some of the, you know, one top one or two. And with a lot of horse retiring this year, the older horse division is usually weak and you can find a bunch of horses that have been running for 40 or 50 in, in the big stakes. Might be able to be competitive. Well, you're, 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 you're exactly right, Michelle. And what you have is, you know, you can't tie onto those old class, uh, Philly or mares because mm -hmm. they're already, you know, they're already in fold with somebody in Kentucky. But you can find some old class um, dirt horses that are out of conditions and, you know, maybe they they're not, you know, they've fallen out of favor a little bit. And if you can tweak something and, and so you can find one for 62.5 and a two other than optional, right. or you can find them for 40 or 50. And so I did. I went and searched. So I that was one where I actually went outside my preference, which is for Phillies. And instead of just casting a broad net, I really went looking for the red bullseye on the dartboard. I love that. Yeah. Michelle, I know you wanted to ask uh, a question here. Definitely want to ask about the Philly Charmaine's Mia. And if you can just tell us a little bit about her since she came to Southern California, she's perfect two for two. Well, it, it's an uh, interesting story. So she was running up in Canada and she shipped down into at, to Churchill to run in a two other than for the 62.5 because she didn't have the condition. And I, didn't have enough money in my Churchill account. So I wired money and I was positioned to claim her that day and the races came off the grass. So she scratched. Um, and so, um, it, it just, and, and I didn't want to let it go. I really liked that Philly a lot. Mark, before and you, I, before I, you go forward on that, what did you, what did you like about her? What did you see in some of her past performances that made you say, I want to claim this Philly? 
Well, um, the the caliber of horses she was she wasn't missing by much. Like she ran fourth in a Grade Two or Grade Three, missed by one, with a with a you know not the best trip and a wide trip. Um, so that translated to you know, it, and then I had I had seen the uh, you know I always drill into the horses she ran against because not all you know, allowance races are created equal. Some, sometimes you find yourself in a very, you see a Philly ran fifth, but then you notice the first four finishers, two of them are, have won greatest stakes races and the other two have won races. So you've got to, you've got to go in and, and drill into the competition that they had to find out if it was a key race and how tough the race was. And so I liked a lot about her and, uh, and then her numbers were good. She had a really nice rag and, uh, her, her, you know, her other, her buyers were, I thought, I, I were under, uh, understated for as well as she ran. So, and a lot of people just play off of buyers. So, I, I, I liked a lot about her. her I saw she was a four thousand dollar yearling purchase, so that obviously does concern you a little bit. Um, but then the the funny part of the story, if I came full circle, I asked Josh, Phil's assistant, to track her down. And he said, you're not going to believe it, but she's in Michelle's Lovell barn, Michelle Lovell's right. barn. Well, Michelle is one of my trainers that I've had. She was a, essentially the first trainer I had when I went out on my own from the syndicate. And so I reached out to Michelle and she helped me get the deal done. I, I'll spare you all the, the lengthy story, but she helped me get the deal done. And then I, I, I was so confident that this filly was going to run well. I, I kept telling Phil, I said, look, she's talented. You know, of course, he's got the Philly. He knows. But he's being a little bit cagey with me. I, you know, he knows I get a little excited. He probably didn't want me to go right into a great <laughs> <laughs> No, I can tell you firsthand that he knew because I saw her breeze one day, and Phil said, oh, my goodness. And he was very excited. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was. So, so um, you know, that's how, you know, I was – and I had told – I knew before we ever, ever shipped her to California – I told the the guy I bought her from he had the half sister, and I said, "Look, if you'll sell her to me, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna help raise the value of, of her sibling for you." Mm-hmm. And and then now you know. I mean, we sprinted. We had to wait a long time for the Lasianigas to come up, but we got her in there. She, you know, that that was no easy spot. No. Um, and she she won she won easy, um, and then. You know, we we thought let's take a shot stretching her out, and you know, a flat mile on that turf course where speed's holding uh, pretty well. We thought was a good time. Again, that race the other day was was not an easy spot. I mean, there were two Grade One winners in there. There were multiple graded stakes placed horses, multiple stakes winners. You know, just a really solid group of horses, and she took a lot of pressure. Um, almost the whole race and, and still stayed and, and held off horses. I was super impressed with her effort. And uh, again, you know what, you know, that's the conditioner and his team that, that got her ready for that spot. Yeah. Charmaine's Mia was absolutely, I mean, first of all, I haven't seen, I sent Mark the night before Michelle on the, uh, the, one of the clocker reports, she got an a minus breeze and you just don't see that a lot. I had sent that to Mark and, um, I think she went off at eight to five. So it wasn't like a secret, uh, but the, there was a question. Could she get the mile? And she did it very easily. What's next for Charmaine's Mia? Is it a, are we having a match race, uh, coming up? Well, 
Well, well, don't make me tell the Billy Big story now. Well, oh, no, boy. you can tell the Billy Big story. I was, <laughs> I lost ve- a lot of money to both. Well, I wouldn't call it a lot of money, but we bet. You can tell it. Uh, so, so Michelle, I think on one of the texts I sent you when you had, you had said sent me the note about Bowie's hero, and I said, by the way, remind me to tell you the Billy Big story. It's one of the one of Bowie's heroes' better stories. Oh, it's great. Uh, so, so. So we were, I think we were going to run in a minor stake at Del Mar. Um, this is Bowie's hero. It, another private purchase, it, by the way. An, another private pers- purchase. Yeah, one, multiple grade one winner, 1.5 million earner. Yeah, that was a pretty good one also. Yes. By the way, just yeah, so he, so Billy had a horse called Billy Big, and he was, you know, he was high on him. Well, he broke his and maiden. Pretty, he broke his maiden first time well, in the country. Well, he was named after Billy. No, he was not built, named after Billy. It was a European horse that broke his maiden at Del Mar very impressively first time out, and he was going in the same race as Bowie's Hero. Now you could go yeah, and embarrass the, me. It was like it was like it was like the, it was like it was like the single Terry or something. But Michelle, so he tells so that I I go to Phil's barn at it. So I'm we're sitting out on you know Billy's favorite spot, the veranda, and and I'm like, well. You know, let's just put a little hundred out there on it. You know, and he's and he looks at me. He's like, "Make it two. Oh, I said, All right, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, that was you know, I want it known. I want it known. I I paid immediately. I also want it known that Billy Big did run third that day. So he, he, did, he, it, did, he did. He win? No, Bowie's but hero won he by like the length of the stretch. Are you kidding me? Right? It wasn't even close. Yeah, and, he ran by him. And, he ran and by, by Billy Big like he was tied to a post. And, and and to this day, though, when I, after I saw Billy the next morning, I was on the backside and I said, Phil, where's Billy Big's stall? So I go over there and I look in. I'm like, where is he? And it clearly he was misnamed because there was nothing big about that Billy. No, he was little. I told you he was named after Billy. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm Billy Little also. Little, little, little. But we could have a rematch. There could be money on the uh, table what? if what? Raimundo's Secret and Charmaine's Mia hook up, Michelle in the Royal Heroine in about a oh, month. Oh, wow. What do you think about that, Michelle? Oh, boy. She, Ray's one of your favorites. I know. I love Raymundo. I don't know. Well, Mich- I might have to wear, like, my agave pin on one side and my little red feather pin on the other side. Okay. We Wait, do does that. anyone get scared in the paddock? I shouldn't cheer? I no, mean, what's going on with that? we don't want to talk about that. No, no, no. We don't want to talk about that <laughs> no. here. But it will be an interesting race and if we go that direction, Mark. Well, and, and I'm not sure we are. That's kind of the leader in the clubhouse. You know, we can't help but take a look at the Jenny Wiley at Keeneland. It's a grade one. Um, it's a little bit longer. So, you know, we're probably leaning towards staying home. But we're looking at options. But I would say if you're in there, w- there's a very, very good chance we're we're going to be running against each other. Oh, that is oh, not boy. a good thing. And I'm going to get and I'm going to give you an opportunity to get that 200 back. Oh, I appreciate that. This could be it. This could be it. Well, <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I have to look at the numbers. I mean, I, I, I know how good Raimundo is, but we're coming off a little of a layoff, and you're kind of sharp, so I, there's, there might be an advantage there. And it, it'll be interesting, to be honest with you, to now, see who Flavio— is really who, hard to go, too. But it'll be interesting to see who Pratt rides. He rides both. That might be the telltale uh, I, sign. Well, I, 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 when, I, when you sent me that text about match race, I already reached out to Phil and said, look, we better not lose Pratt. <laughs> I said, don't, I, I, said well, that, I, I don't want, I said, I'm, I'm getting it in before Billy tries to end run me on this one. I there said, well, that's, that's really funny that you did that because I immediately called Scotty McClellan. 
<laughs> so so we great minds great minds think alike obviously michelle uh scotty mcclellan represents umberto raspoli so uh i think he would fit uh raymundo just fine anyway mark first of all we've gone way over the time allotted today but we appreciate it we we always love when you come on and your stories are great we know we've asked you this question once before but give give our um people that are looking to get into horse racing right now as an owner what should they do what's the best piece of advice you can give them well, first of all, if you're not in, why not? It is absolutely the greatest game. Uh, I heard Michael talk about if when they're coming down the stretch, if it you don't, if it doesn't raise the air on your arms and get your blood, you know, f- flowing and 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 the excitement, then you know, take up golf. Um, <laughs> this this, this is the this is the greatest game, and you can share it with people. And, you know, I, when I used to, um, I, I sponsored a, a race here back when Rotama Park was up, a stakes race called the lot M2 lots and Rita stakes. And I would host an event. We had about 107, between 150 and 200 people, you know, track side, all the food, all the booze, all the entertainment, Mark's priceless picks, the whole thing. And they were non, non racing people. And they would come and every one of them said that was one of the most enjoyable things I've ever done in my life. But if I saw them a year later and I asked them if they've gone back to the track, they haven't. Right. And, and I don't know why. It's a, such an enjoyable experience. You can do it with family. You can do it with friends. You can do it. You know, it's, you can even go by yourself and hang out with your connections. So I, I just think, you know me, I'm, a, I'm a, a huge advocate. And I'm, by the way, I'm big on California racing. All my horses are back in, in California. And I'm going to do my part to, you know, to restore the roar so to speak. Restore the roar. We couldn't appreciate it more. And uh, best of luck uh, with all of your horses, including Charmaine's Mia. And uh, I know you have a couple big races coming up. I was just actually looking at that. You're going to run count again in the Kilrow and uh, say the word in the San Luis Rey, which is exciting. Both those races are are really cool races. Obviously the Kilrow is incredible. And and, uh, I, I listen, what you're doing and the way you've done it and the, and the person you are and the reputation you have all speak volumes about, about what you've been able to do for this game. And I know that for myself, and I think I speak for Michelle, that we appreciate what you do for racing in general and especially California racing. So thank you for uh, taking the time today. Great. Thanks for having me guys. And Michelle, thanks for the great coverage on the Saudi cup. You know, I, I have a hard enough time keeping up with the U S horses. So it was nice to have somebody who could kind of educate me on who else was in the race. Oh, thanks, Mark. Well, I appreciate we, that. We appreciate it. I, I just gave her a lot of compliments. When you hear the show, you're going to hear me just just ooze about how good <laughs> Michelle is and how good. And to be honest, uh, Mark, how 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 well she has listened and 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 her broadcasting is even better every year. I think every day it gets a little better. So we're both big fans. I I I enjoy. I'm a stalker. We already we already established that before we jumped on <laughs> the air. It's not stalking if it's welcome. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark right, Martinez. Guys. Be good, my friend. Okay. Thanks, Mark. You be good too. Thanks, right. guys. Bye. Mark Martinez here on the Owner's Box. Always fun talking to Mark. Uh, yeah, he's so great. And like I said, we do text. So, uh, yeah. Hello. No. You're... My phone, it went completely sad. I thought oh, no, that we good. had a, you know, one of those issues yeah, that we had. Good. I hear everything you're saying. Oh. You yeah. Know, he's got, he, he, he really, um, he, he brought up Saul Cuman. He brought up Netwig, two people that are um, similar to, to, to the style that he, he uses in this game. And he's, mm-hmm. he's very smart. He does a lot of homework and, and it pays off. 
I think, you know, there are people maybe who don't do that kind of work that, that Mark really goes through. And then he gives them to Phil D'Amato, who's been just sensational, especially on the grass. And if you look at Mark's horses, a lot of them are turf horses. So, yes. um, you know, stick to your plan. I think that's kind of the key. That's the Billy Soapbox approach to this podcast. Michelle, we have run way long. What Do, we, do you have anything fun coming up this weekend? Maybe it's Santa Anita that we can talk about? Uh, I honestly, Billy, I have, I don't even oh, know what day it is today. I, have I know no you, idea. you got your second shot. We can say it on I the did. air. You are yeah. completely vaccinated now. I am um, vaccinated. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, I, I call it the, uh, the anecdote. You, you have the anecdote, but it wiped you out. Oh my gosh. It knocked me out. It knocked me out bad. I couldn't, I didn't get out of bed for like 17 hours. Uh, I couldn't even like think straight. I couldn't stand or breathe or eat or anything it was bad was it was it scary enough that you were like i need to call a doctor or no no, no. because i had heard all along that like the second one's worse the second one knocks you out um the th- the pharmacist that gave me the shot told me she's like just so you know uh this knocked me out for like two days so i had been hearing right. that it was going to be rough like flu-like symptoms so i was expecting to feel bad but i maybe i wasn't expecting to feel like physically where I could not get up out of bed. Like I literally couldn't sit up. Oh man. I'm glad you're okay. And I know all our listeners are glad you're okay. And we wanted to say thank you again to our listeners who have made the owner's box, one of the top rated shows on the, in the money podcast network. Uh, follow us. Where are we, Michelle at own a horse at at own a horse on Twitter uh, at BKLRF at the Michelle, you at in the money media. Um, and you can always email us. Oh, yeah. Billy at littleredfeather.com. Yeah. Email us. If you have a question about horse racing, do not be shy. Email me. This is why we do this show. Michelle and I, just so you guys know, do not do this show to make money. This is not our primary goal. <laughs> we have been on the air for five years. Um, I like to try to take care of Michelle the best I can. But truth be told, we are in this to bring you stories about owners like Mark Martinez. who it, it, He hasn't been in the game for 100 years. He's been in the game for 15 years. And he's won grade ones and grade twos. And what did he say? 15 graded stakes winners in 15 years. I mean, that, mm-hmm. you know, and most of it's probably in the last five, four or five yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can happen if you do it the right way. And I think that's the most important message of today's podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Michelle. We'll see you out at Santa Anita this weekend. Billy, here's a sign for you. Yeah. I just opened up the sananita.com homepage and the bottom, the featured work is yesterday. Raymundo Uh-oh. secret. Oh, she, she worked. I mean, do you think I can get my $200 back? I'm just saying, I'm just saying like I'm randomly so we're talking about that. And then I see that. I feel like that's like hunch play. Hunch play Raymundo. Talk to you later, everybody. Bye.